Presented by Four Roses. Hey, let's go. I'm just a sicko, a real sicko when you get to know me, baby. What's good? What's really good? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Four Roses Bourbon. And we're about to flex all year long looking for revenge. Hey, I swear to God, though, this is a big mood for this year. And I'm so sorry that the audio quality isn't that great and I had to use this live one. If you know anything about Young Money Cash Money and the way that Drake and Birdman and Lil Wayne have been in these legal battles over the years, there's some copyright stuff for things that have been recorded under the YMCMB label. And so Summer 16, unfortunately, is not available on YouTube. But you know what? It's such a fucking banger that I really wanted to be able to add it to the Real Talk with Ben Tompkins playlist on Apple Music and on Spotify, wherever you listen to music. It's up there. I update it every single week. It's got a collection of the hottest fucking bangers you've ever heard in your life. Good mix between rap and Tropical House slash EDM. If you like the show music that we use, you're going to love these playlists. Uh, They're up there. Go check them out. But I really, really wanted to be able to add Summer 16 to these playlists because it's such a banger and because it has one of the greatest lines of all time that I repeat on the show all the time. How am I keeping it real by keeping this shit to myself? That's the realest shit I've ever heard in my life. And so I said, you know what? After seven straight months of quality, nothing but the best top shelf shit that I'm giving you guys, I figured, bear with me this week while the intro isn't, you know, a thousand percent awesome. But I I, uh, I I wanted to be able to add that song to the playlist and just come in with that big mood, looking for revenge. Like, that is really what we're doing this year. We're on the revenge tour. You hear people say that all the time. But you know what? In the most healthiest, positive sense of the word revenge tour, that's what this is. Because 2021 is really going to be a year that the people that slept on us and the people that doubted us and counted us out and told us to to quit, give up, fuck you, fuck you all, fuck them, we ball, because this year, my friends, is the year that we get revenge, and I hope that you feel the same way in everything that you're doing and everything that you're dedicated towards, but that's how I feel, and I want to share that with you guys, and if you're listening to this, then you ride with me, and I hope that this year is everything that you hope it is for yourself. I hope that everything that you set out to do this year, you're able to accomplish. And uh, if you fall short, okay, fine. But at least you tried, and if you tried, then that means you got closer from where you were, and that's progress, my friend. So, you know, 
sometimes it doesn't always work out in our favor and we don't uh, get the yes that we're looking for from from certain people or companies or whatever. But you know what? In the end, you're going to get the yeses that matter and you'll realize uh, with time and some perspective that uh, all the people or the, the things and uh, the groups, companies, the organizations, the teams, everybody that told you no, it all worked out for the best. And you know what? The best way to get success and make those people look dumb is by getting revenge, is by proving them all wrong. And that is the shit that we're on this year, because I swear to God, 2021 is going to be one of the best years of my life (laughs) and this show. So I'm really, really excited. If you're just now joining us, God, you picked a good time. God damn, I'm almost envious of you, to be honest. Like I almost am envious of you that you've now stumbled upon and found this new great show that you're into, and uh, now you're starting to go back and listen to previous episodes, and you're like telling your friends about it, and it's like, dude, have you heard this yet? Like You can be that person that finds the new song or the new show, and you're like, putting people on and you're like, hey, 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 listen, I got a good one now. You guys are going to like this. Keep doing that because it really helps me out. And I really appreciate that. But like you, congratulations, like you found us or we found you or however it was supposed to happen. But God damn, I'm glad that you're with us. So keep riding with us. Keep drinking that Four Roses bourbon. Keep toasting to the good life. I'm just so amped up right now. I really am. Like I really, I really, really am. And uh, there's a couple different reasons for that. And um, listen, I still don't have my car. It's a really big pain in the ass. Quick car update while we're here. I'm told that the work could be done on the tow truck driver, and he crashed the car. You know, he backed into me and, and did some damage to the to the front of my baby. Look how they massacred my boy. Okay, they're fixing that. They're making that right. Um, all in all, the guy did about ten thousand dollars worth of damage. Can you believe that? That's a fucking. I do not. I mean, to have to go back to your boss and be like, hey, we got to eat this big chunk of change, like, God, that must have sucked. But you know what? Um, They are hoping to get it done maybe sometime this week, and then it'll go back to the dealership, and then they'll complete the work that it was initially there for in the first place, okay? And then I should get my car back. I'm 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 optimistic that this could be another like two weeks probably. I mean I'm I'm kind of like if they get it done this week, the body shop people, um, you know, and then I get it back this week, then maybe what that really means is they're finished with the work. They drop it back off at the dealership, and then I'm hoping by the end of next week the dealership could be done with what they need to do, and then by the time that uh, next weekend rolls around then maybe I'm back in the whip, back on road. Like, dude, I get so excited for the show intros, and the first week that I'm back to giving rides and getting out there with my people, my riders, y'all, you know what I'm talking about? I cannot wait to drop that, I got money in these jeans when I'm back on road. Hey, yo, that's going to be hot. I'm like, I'm a couple weeks ahead, you know, thinking wise. But like, I'm not back on road yet. And so what we're going to do today is uh, talk about one of the main reasons that I'm in such a good mood. And uh, I also got to drop a vicious tease. This is going to be a vicious tease. But you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Because I am hoping to have very good news to share with you guys. Um, Hopefully, two podcasts from now. Maybe by next Tuesday, I'm ready. But it might be two weeks from now that I'm sharing this good news, which honestly, that that would be crazy if I have a week where I literally get my car back 
and I'm able to share the biggest update as far as this show is concerned that I've shared this year or even in the history of me ever hosting Real Talk. And I am, I am, <laughs> I'm fucking ecstatic. Like I, 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 I cannot contain my energy and my happiness and my positivity. And uh, I might know this week, I might know next week. Uh, for sure, by the end of next week, I will know something. So, you know, as of today, can't say what it is, uh, but it's big. It's fucking big. It's huge. Like, this is going to really put us on the map. And uh, it's just exciting because uh, I'm thinking about where we're headed, you know, kind of like how it started versus where we're at now because we're far from over. And um, if this thing happens like I think it's going to happen, and I, I, I shit you not, I mean, you know I keep it real on here, I'd tell you if I felt like this wasn't something worth mentioning and not something that I didn't think was going to happen because I absolutely believe it's going to happen. And uh, that's big for us. That's really fucking big. And it's exciting. It's a hell of an opportunity. And I, I, I am just like, <laughs> I can't, I, I, I just like, I want to break some shit. I want to break some glass, not out of anger or like, but I'm just like, when I get excited, I just like to, I don't know, man, like just, let's just like be destructive, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to channel that energy into everything else that I'm doing in a positive and healthy way. Uh, my million dollar idea sidebar, you know, everybody has all these million dollar ideas. If I ran a business, this would be what it would be. And, uh, I guess I'm kind of executing my main million dollar idea with this podcast and everything that I'm doing with it and the Uber thing. But, um, if I ever wanted to start a company, something that, you know, it's like these things that people do and we're all looking for experiences. Um, I know that they have these but like if somebody opened a break room in Louisville where you could either bring your own shit that you wanted to break or it'd be like Gaddyland, so you could have like the low shelf would be like five tickets and as you go up the shelves, it's like more expensive shit to break and it's all glass. So on the top shelf, we would have like some really nice chandeliers and some jewelry boxes and some fucking nice televisions and like on the bottom shelf, it'd be like beer bottles or empty Four Roses bourbon single barrel bottles or like anything that you want to bring from your house. You could be have like glass windows like it doesn't even matter but you would bring this shit all into a room and just absolutely fucking destroy it and I I love the sound of breaking glass just like I love the sound of uh ice when you shatter ice you know on a frozen over pond or something like that you throw a big rock in there and it breaks the ice <laughs> are you guys just totally like oh my god what is this guy on like he's talking about breaking glass and throwing rocks and ice and shit like yeah you know what as a kid i had to entertain myself a lot and a lot of times that meant breaking some shit you know what i mean so uh you know, if, if it's sitting in the basement and no one's touched it for months, then who's really missing it? You know what I mean? So it's just one of those things. Uh, I have an affinity for that. I'm very good at it. I have lots of practice and skill and uh, <laughs> I'm a fucking rock star at it. Okay. But like that would be my thing is like to create uh, break rooms for the city of Louisville where people could bring their shit, uh, stuff that they didn't want, stuff that doesn't sell at a, at a, at a junk ass yard sale or stuff like I described, you know, shelves of things. I would love, I would fucking love to break a chandelier. Just like pick it up and just throw it as far as you could. And the thing that gets me is the dead air time between the moment that you release whatever you've thrown 
And then there's just pure silence. Two, three. And it just shatters into a million pieces. Oh my God. What is wrong with me? I am a sicko. Here we are going off on the beat about breaking shit. But like, I, 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 you know what? Like, I get that excited. I just want to like do that. But, uh, no, I'm just going to like channel that into positive, uh, positive stuff, you know, not destructive stuff. So, you know, later on tomorrow and, and the rest of the week, uh, and certainly today, uh, when I was in the gym, just fucking just ripping these reps out, like just so pissed off because I'm just, I'm looking for revenge and now we got some shit, hopefully knock on wood that we're going to be celebrating here in the next couple of weeks. And especially then when I get my car back. We're really gonna take off. This is gonna be one of the best years of our life, and I'm just, I'm just excited about it. Um, I really am excited about it. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Enough about me. How are you? You know, like, how you doing? How you doing? Um, the other reason that I'm so excited, and the thing that we're gonna spend some time talking about today, actually, like most of the time talking about today, I have um, maybe one or two thoughts on just. Everything that's gone down in the last week uh, that I'll get to at the very end here and just kind of wrap a ribbon on and uh, then, then, then uh, you know, cut on to the next scene, right? But uh, something that I've talked about a couple times throughout the last several months is getting involved with Big Brothers Big Sisters. Now, if you know me and you listen to the show, then, then you know that, like, I'm a genuine person that genuinely wants to help people and... Everything that I do for these writers, like sometimes I get the writers that tell me the most savage stories in the world. And then it's like, okay, that's great. It makes for great content. But I also get a really, really big kick. And like a big part of the reason that I do this is because I'm able to help people and I'm in a position where, you know, I've got somebody that's opening up to me that feels comfortable opening up to me. And I can be everything for them that I've always wished that I've had, and I can, I can, uh, I can certainly build them up when they need to be built up, and I can certainly be like, hey, listen, fuckhead, you know what I mean? Like I've never actually called anybody fuckhead, but I keep it real. Like I keep it real with these people because, like, what is it to me? You know what I mean? If I, if I, if I say something and I call them out about something, and they're like, oh my god, I can't believe this person that doesn't know me at all would call me out on my bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, you know what? Sometimes we all need to be called out on our bullshit. And whether that is, uh, you know, a lesson that you have to learn the hard way, like one Justin Thomas just recently did, like, it, no matter what you do in life, you're not impervious to being called out on your bullshit. And if somebody's in the backseat talking bullshit, I'm going to let them know. I'm going to let them know, like, hey, you know what? Here's why you're wrong. Here's why I disagree. Here's actually why, you know, what I think and how it differs from you. And, like, I can do that respectfully. Sure. I can be civil about that. Absolutely. And I am. You know what I mean? Like, 4.96 Uber ready, baby. Check them stats. You feel me? Okay, but, like, I also can, can let these people know, like, hey, if they're fucking up or if somebody's telling me, like, that guy that was telling me about, like, oh, no, man, I'm not addicted. And I, I was like, dude, listen. I, I uh, hope that what you're saying to me is serious and, you know, because none of us ever want to just like say, yeah, it's actually way worse than you think it is or way worse than I'm leading you on to believe. You know what I mean? We always give people like uh, kind of half truths, right? It's like your truth, my truth and the truth, right? I'm sure you've heard that one. But if you haven't yet, there you go. Drop a million dollar advice on a million dollar podcast. Uh, but like, you know, it's like, dude, okay. 
this guy was saying, yeah, I'm not going to get addicted. And, and I just tell him, like, listen, man, um, that's great if you don't. But I just need you to understand you're walking down a road and you're kind of like straddling this fine line. And you really got to be careful because here's what can happen if you let it slip or if it consumes you like addiction does with so many different people. Right. And so there there will be times where like I, I, I don't I don't sugarcoat shit. I mean, you listen to me and it's like, oh, my God, he cusses a lot. But yeah, but it's like I'm not going to censor myself for anybody or anything. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm not going to stop myself from saying something that maybe makes somebody uncomfortable because they're not used to being called out. So if they're on bullshit, I'm gonna call them out. I'm gonna let them know, because if not me, then who else will? You know what I mean? Like, who else really will? I, I don't know. But uh, I, I have uh, the guts to, to be able to withstand that. If someone says, well, I don't like you. I think you're a fucking idiot. I'm like, well, fuck you too, my man. You know? Like, it's, who are you to me? What are you to me? It does not fucking matter. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it's just like... I'm here to give people real talk. I'm here to give people what they need. I'm here to give people what they what they want. You know what I mean? And so like uh and a big part of that is just being genuine and being real. And so that's why I do a lot of this stuff. And when I got involved with Big Brothers Big Sisters, my big thing was I want to be able to be for, you know, uh this this kid, whoever my match is going to be. What I wish that I had growing up, you know, because I was the oldest of, of uh, you know, my brother and my sister, and I have step-siblings, but I'm I'm the oldest one, and, um, you know, I've talked about the relationship that I have with my dad, and so, like, that kind of went away at some point, and I had to start to fill that with all of these different kind of big brothers, and not just big brothers, but also just, like, guys that I looked up to that were either coaches or my friends parents or um former teachers that I've had you know I've had Will Leach on here a couple times and like I really have always looked up to him you know since I had him for freshman algebra at Trinity and like he's a real ass G like that's my dad you know what I mean that's pops and I have a handful of people like that in my life where I had this big void of a father figure that I then was left to fill. Now, sometimes I filled that with negative things, and I've talked about that. Other times I, fi- I found ways to fill that with a collection of different people. So it's like when I think about my dad, I think about like, you know, five or six different people. I think about what I've gained from each one of these father figures. So it's it's kind of like a composite for me rather than just thinking, oh, that's my dad. Here's what he taught me. Like I certainly have that with my own dad, you know what I mean? But like I also have that with all these other dudes. Um, and some of them it's 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 more money, financial advice that they give me and, and that, you know, we kind of talk about. Other ones it, it's it's more spirituality, other ones it's more kind of the addiction thing and just being an entrepreneur and like how that all ties in. And uh, uh you know, other times I just I, I always looked up to because I was one of the oldest kids in my neighborhood too, growing up, you know, as a child. So it wasn't like I was getting to hang out with all these older dudes. Right. And I'm trying to figure out all this different shit. I mean, the most that I ever hung out with older dudes was at the pool, you know, at at our neighborhood pool, Harmony Hills. Shout out. Double age, baby. And, um, you know, like those guys, you know, they were fucking, you know, like some of them were cool. Uh, other ones, you know, like probably weren't great influences on me. You know what I mean? Showing me stuff that as a whatever age boy that I was 
probably wasn't ready to see some of that stuff, but whatever. Like I've been introduced to mature themes my entire life, so it's nothing new to me. But I thought to myself, you know, I've been a Mustang mentor when I was at North Oldham High School. We would go over and mentor the eighth graders, and that was kind of like, yeah, we we would have like a handful of mentors that would go into each class, and basically we would sit there and talk with the table, and, um, you know, I I didn't really, like, that wasn't really like a really constructive kind of one-on-one mentorship thing. It was really kind of hard to establish that kind of a rapport with the class when you feel like, you know, we're just here for like 20 minutes and uh, it's it's like six kids at a table. But like, I, I love to do that. Uh, we also had a program where we would go and read books to the elementary school. I like to do that. And I've been a designated trainer everywhere that I've been, you know, at Southern Wine and Spirits. Eventually I had worked my way up where I was the designated trainer for our team so people would get hired on and they would take over a territory somewhere in the Bay, whether it be Oakland, San Francisco, or San Jose. And they would come out in the field and they'd spend a couple days with me. And I got, you know, kind of paid extra to do that. But like, I was a designated trainer. And during my time at the University of Kentucky, I was a tutor for student athletes and got paid to do that too. And that was pretty cool, making a little bit of extra alcohol money in college. And I'm sitting here teaching uh, student athletes about journalism and sociology and business writing, you know, helping people write resumes and cover letters. And, and like, that was really cool. But I've always had this big sense of just wanting to give back to people and just kind of be for them what what I could have used and benefited from. And so that's that's one big goal that I just checked off my list from 2020 was getting involved with Big Brothers Big Sisters. And I guess it's a positive thing because I'm in a position of stability where I can say definitively, hey, I'll be around for the next year and I'll certainly be around for your kid and be a great mentor and be a great leader and an example for them. You know what I mean? I might not let them listen to the podcast because there's certainly some mature themes on here. And even though the kid plays Grand Theft Auto and is showing me videos at Juice World, you know, uh, on YouTube, I I still have to kind of like think about that stuff. So I'm like, you know what? Listen, yeah, you, you can think just because somebody cusses they're not a great role model, but, you know, you fail to understand everything else that is kind of going on beyond that. You know what I mean? Get off your moral high ground. Give me a fucking break. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so I get involved with Big Brothers Big Sisters, and you have to go through a pretty extensive background check in order to uh, be permitted to work with kids, you know? And that's good. That's good. It takes a long time, you know, to kind of go through the interview and then go through the background check and they got to have your references. So you provide references and then they follow up with them. And just going through this all with the COVID backdrop has kind of taken a little bit longer on some of this stuff. Certainly with the background check, you know, it's like a government funded thing and they laid people off and they weren't doing it as many days of the week as they usually do. So like some of that stuff took a couple months. I mean, the process from start to finish, I think I applied for it sometime in June or July. You know, I manifested a lot, a lot of the things that I'm now doing and that have started to blossom for me and come to fruition are things that I've manifested seven and eight months ago. You know what I mean? And it took a few months to go through that process. You have to meet with the representative from BBBS 
and you go through what you're looking for, why you're getting involved, um, types of things that you're interested in, and yeah, ultimately, like, why you want to do this, you know what I mean? Like, why do you want to volunteer your time? This isn't, like, a normal thing, so, like, what drives you to do this? For me, it's it's everything that I've just spent the last 24 minutes kind of going through, right? Um, and I just, I like, my big thing, too, is, like, I know what it was like for me growing up, and for me, I ha- I always had to be proactive in filling that void and finding those, you know, guys that I look up to that were older than me and, you know, uh, guys that I just, like, I-, I always had to do that on myself, and a lot of people are not as proactive as I am and I, as I have been with all that stuff. But, you know, I knew that I had to do that for myself because no one else was going to come and do it for me. And so I, I took it upon myself to do that, but I don't think that, like, a lot of people kind of have that same thought. I think that's kind of a unique thing to be like, hey, if I don't fill these gaps with other people and experiences and expertise, I might be fucked later. I might really be fucked later. So... I kind of have been uh, working on this. This is like a long time coming. You know what I mean? But I want to be able to help guide the kid that I'm working with or any kid that I work with or any person that I work with, no matter how old or young they are, I want to be able to share my some of my experiences with them and help them navigate so they don't have to step on the same fucking landmines and blow themselves up the same ways that I did. You know what I mean? That's really like, and, and, and you, you hear about people uh, developing mentor-mentee relationships in your career. Guys, girls, that is the most important thing that a mentor can do for you is to say, hey kid, I've been where you are. I know what you're going through. Here's things that you should avoid. Here's what this really means. Here's what you do want to do, and here's what you maybe want to try and find an alternative route to doing, because if you do this, here's how it ended for me, you know what I mean, and that's all real, that's all real shit, that's real talk, so it's important to me that I'm able to feel like I can do that for a kid that shares a lot of the same things and experiences that I had growing up, and you know, I kind of have thought about you know, how much, how much can I really share? Like there will be some stuff like, um, you know, I, I can share that, uh, my little brother is nine years old and, and it is a boy, but I cannot, and you know, because he's a minor, I'm not going to share his name. I'm not going to share where he lives. I'm not going to share where he goes to school or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, just like I don't share those same details about any of the people that ride with me, you know, it's not about, it's not about getting like, um, you know, recognized or, or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not here to to out him. And like, you know, there was like a social media waiver that we signed where it was like, hey, would you be cool to like share pictures of each other on your social media stuff? And it's like, you know, I'm not saying that the people that I've seen go through this do it only for that. Absolutely not. I know like two or three guys, um, and, and I think, I, I I know definitively two guys that have gone through the Big Brothers Big Sisters process and probably know but un, unbeknownst to me other women who have done the big you know big sister little sister thing but just can't really 
like uh, think about them sharing that stuff. And like some people, they go through this stuff and they don't, you know, they don't have to talk about it and share about it. And like that's that's how you know sometimes that it's pure. It's like if you go to the gym, did you really go to the gym if you have to tell everybody about it? You know what I mean? And like uh, if you if you, it's like the people that. Uh, will donate like money to a homeless person but get a video while they're doing it it's like fuck you first of all did you do it out of the kindness of your heart and out of a pure genuine place or are you doing it to get a bunch of fucking retweets and likes and you go girl and oh you're my dude like all this bullshit fake gas like that's what it is it's fake recognition it's fake gas it's a bunch of just pandering and pat me on the back and make me I'm such a good person and like that's all that's bullshit you know ultimately that's bullshit and I'm sure I'm fucking sure you know somebody that's doing that on your timeline as we speak as we speak okay and like I don't need obviously I'm talking about it on my podcast because it's something that I am excited for it is something that comes from a very real genuine and pure place for me and, uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to talk about it on my show because it's an experience that I'm living and I'm doing and it's something that's real to me. So like, yeah, I'm going to share it and I'm not doing it, you know, I'm not doing it to be like, oh, I want to make all these people think that I'm a good person because I'm doing it. Like, no, I don't care what you, I hope you like me, you know what I mean? But like, if you, if you think that, if you think that I'm talking about this stuff just to, you know, get people to like, be like, oh, Ben's such a good dude. It's like, I fine. You're entitled to your own opinion. You know what I mean? But the reason that I mention any of that stuff at all is because I'm I'm kind of thinking that I'm not going to share photos when we do things together because I don't want anybody to think that I'm just doing it for that reason. And also, if I share pictures of him and then I come on this show and talk about things that we talk about and that he's dealing with and that are real and authentic to him and his life experience, I don't want any of that to then creep into you looking at a picture of us and then think, oh, that's the kid that I know all their business. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I was I was trying to like decide what would I rather do. And yeah, I want to be able to, if if he wants me to share a picture of us, um, you know. Or he wants to share a picture of us. Yeah, go for it, man. Like, that's cool. Like, if you think it's cool to to be like, oh, here's me and my big brother. Like, yeah, absolutely, we can do that. But also, I just don't want anybody to, 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 you know, to look at my little brother and be like, damn, like, I feel like I know this kid's business. And and, and I don't think that's really fair uh, to him or the family. You know what I mean? So what I'm thinking about doing is just doing no social media, um, you know, with my little and doing that so it allows me to come on and kind of talk about some of the real kind of shit that's going on because it's 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 deep, you know, it's deep and it happens right in your own backyard, which which I think, you know, I think the first thing that I the, the first kind of assumption that I had about big brothers, big sisters was that I would get matched with probably some inner city kid. Right. I mean, I, I I think that I naturally thought that, um, but that assumption was proven wrong when it was like, hey, no, listen, we have enough kids in Jefferson County that are doing uh, this program. We actually have a ton of need for big brothers and big sisters also in Oldham County and also in like all these other counties that you, you might think in these cities and these little towns. Right. Where you're like, oh, no, I mean. 
you know, prospects, like how many big brothers or big sisters could you really need there, right? You would think that maybe you would need those more in like the Shively area or South End, West End of Louisville. But it's like, you know what? Actually, you'd be surprised, my friends. You really would. So he lives close, obviously not in any of the places, Oldham County, yeah, but like not in any of the places that I just rattled off, but close enough. And uh, last Friday, we had our very first in-person meetup. And I'm telling you what, dude, I was looking forward to this all week long. And we have done, like, we were all initially his mom, me, him, and our match support specialist. And we were all on this call when the match got made, you know, a couple months ago. A couple months ago, the match gets made. Took a few months after all the background check and all that stuff came back, but then eventually my support specialist says, hey, I think I've got somebody that is really perfect for you based on what you shared with me and based on what I know about their current situation. I think you would really, really enjoy doing it with this kid. So, um, you know, let me tell you a little bit about him and then let's, let's see if this is something you want to do. After she told me, I was like, I was just, I was one, so excited that it was finally like I was at the stage where we're talking about like my match, my little, you know what I mean? Which is really cool for me because I don't want kids of my own. I'll be the greatest uncle and uh, godfather and like friend of a friend to your kids, like all that stuff. But I do not want kids of my own. I don't. Um, and I feel like if I can do the big brothers, big sisters thing and just be that for a bunch of other people's kids, you know, my brother's kids or my sister's kids or stepbrother's kids or your kids, like whoever, you know what I mean? Like depending on how close of a friend we are, I would do that. Sure. Uh, if we're not, maybe you can pay me, you know what I mean? Uh, coaching and, and, uh, mentor services, you know, at large for hire. But, um, <laughs> it's amazing how far off topic I'll get when I go on these tangents and it's just coming out machine gun style, but I, I digress. It's like, I, you know, one, yeah, I was excited to be at this point, but also two, I'm excited to start doing this and be for this kid what I wish that I had growing up. And so we get to this point, we do the match setup and we meet each other via Zoom for the first time. That goes well. And then we kind of set our first virtual outing, which is something that Big Brothers Big Sisters recommends. You know, they don't take an official position on when bigs and littles can begin meeting um, due to liability issues and COVID and everything like that. But I don't have COVID. The kid doesn't have COVID. His mom doesn't have COVID. He's got one older brother. He doesn't have COVID. And they leave it up to the discretion of everybody involved. And I said, hey, you know what? I'll wear a mask if it makes you guys feel better and I come over. Um, but like I'm planning an outdoor activity anyways. And so she was cool with it. The mom was cool with it. So I was like, bet. And I pitched this idea to her because when we're talking about, it's just so hard to um, really build a relationship and develop a relationship with somebody through a screen if it's something that you're creating and building from the ground up. That's really, really tough. You know, so I knew that it was important to kind of get some FaceTime together and some uh, in-person kind of time spent together. So I, I started thinking about, okay, well, what can we do that we could do outside, you know? And 
My little loves to play football and baseball, so we definitely have those interests in common. But I know that they have two dogs, one of which is a puppy. And boxer puppies, oh my God, are crazy, dude. They're crazy. They're crazy. They, they, they just run around the house. This dog was literally picking up his own bone throwing the bone to itself and sprinting to go get the bone and then sprinting in circles through their foyer, their dining room, their kitchen, and their living room, just running around the house. And my little brother's running around. He's all amped up. He's excited that I'm there. And the mom is sitting at the kitchen table trying to do her regular work. You know, she works from home. So she's looking at me like, oh, thank God you're here. (laughs) You know, I'm like the reinforcements basically. Uh, But I know that they, you know, like how often are they probably able to take their dogs for a walk? You know, probably not as often as they'd like to. You know what I mean? So I thought, well, this could be something that we could do. I would help the mom. I'd help, uh, you know, hang out with the little and uh, get him out of the house for a little bit, get us talking, walking, and we'll bring the dogs and it'll be a good time. So, you know, I show up. We kind of talk, hang out. He shows me his room. He shows me some stuff that he got for Christmas, really cool stuff. Uh, he, he, I got to meet his uh, older brother who was kind of like hanging out in the stairs at the top of the steps because he like was interested, you know, he like wanted to meet me and I was like, what's up, dude? Dapped him up for a second and then he like, you know, went off into his room and I think just as the older brother, he was just kind of like uh, appreciative to, to have gotten kind of like recognized, you know, if your little brother's getting a big brother and is all excited about something, I'm sure that he's kind of like, oh man, now this is, I thought it was dumb at first, but now it's kind of cool, you know, like, so I was like, what's up, man? And, uh, but you know, I'm there to spend time with, with my little brother, right? So we go on the walk and it was great because we were just able to kind of walk around his neighborhood and, um, you know, just something as simple as, teaching good habits, like picking up after your dog after he takes his shit in somebody's yard, you know? He was going to walk off and just let this shit sit there in somebody's grass. And I'm like, dude, 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 come on, dude. Like, we've got the bags on the leash. Use them. Do you know how to open up a bag? Do you know how to do this? And he's like, oh, uh, yeah, kind of. And I was like, well, here, let me show you, you know? And it's just like, Having somebody to be able to show you that kind of stuff, you don't think that that's going to make some big profound impact on somebody, but more so having somebody that's willing to take the time to spend that energy and that attention on just you, that you're the only thing that matters when we're together. That's a really powerful part of it for me. And so if, you know, if I have to pick up dog shit and show them how to do it, I'm like happy to do it, you know? And then we walked around until we found somebody's dumpster and I stuck it in their dumpster. And, you know, it's like, uh, it, it, that's just like one little thing, you know? Just being able to teach them that. It's like, hey, this is a good habit to get in. Pick up after your dog, you know? There's adults that still need to be told that and that I, I should go around to parks and, and like tell people that, you know, it's like those people need it too. But, uh, you know, what, what can you do? You can only save so many at a time, you know? So we go on this walk and he really opened up to me, you know? I mean, listen, um, this is the reason why I don't want to like, I don't want to, um, 
you know, because it's like, how much do I really, but because he's a minor, I'm not going to share anything identifying about him, but like, we have a lot of similarities in what we're dealing with. Um, You know, bipolar isn't diagnosed until you're like 25 years old for most people, you know, which is really crazy to think about. But a lot of times in kids, you'll see some of the kind of underlying things that are going on. A lot of times it's ADHD. That's kind of one of the things that go hand in hand with it sometimes. And a lot of times bipolar is misdiagnosed as just ADHD in kids because it's like we're going to have to wait to see till they get older to see what this turns into. Um, And he takes a couple different medications, you know, Adderall, uh, Prozac, and then one other medication, and I can't remember like uh, what it is or what it does, but basically, you know, think about that, dude. Nine years old, and he's on mood stabilizers and antidepressants because, you know, he's kind of, I certainly was going through mood swings as a kid, but a lot of my issues arose from, you know, impulsivity, immaturity, and being hyper as fuck. He has all that same stuff going on, but he's a little bit more prone to outbursts and will sometimes hit. And he's kind of dealing with some other things that are a little bit more complicated than I was dealing with. But because I come from this kind of mental health background, I'm, I'm a self-imposed expert because I've had to, you know, be an expert for myself. So that I think that uniquely positions me to help other people or at least understand where they're coming from and, and empathize with that and kind of be able to speak to that stuff in a, in a way that's real and authentic and and help people out with that, you know? Um, just that's a big part of it, man. Just like speaking to somebody that finally feels like this person understands me and they're not judging me. Like that's a big part of it. And... He definitely is hyper as shit. You know, the scene that I described with him and his dog was like right before we uh, we get back and then he eats like an entire tub of ice cream, you know, but like you can't take the ice. His mom can't take the ice cream from him or tell him no because he'll throw a tantrum like he'll throw a fit. And like I, I wasn't a big tantrum thrower as a kid, but like, you know, it's just like little things like that. I know how to address that. And I, I straight up told her and I straight up told our match specialist like, I am exactly who this kid needs in his life. I am exactly who this kid needs in his life. Because when he starts to get a little bit rambunctious and wants to act like, you know, like I was saying, like the breaking glass thing, you know what I mean? Like maybe that's not normal. Probably isn't, you know, whatever. I don't give a shit. But when he gets excited, he kind of has a hard time containing it. And he, he'll kind of like act like he's going to hit sometimes, you know, not out of anger in those times, but just being excited and being like, I just want to express this. And so he'll kind of act like he's going to like, you know, slap me in the arm or like, you know, kids, they love to rack you in the nuts, man. And he really hasn't gone there that much. And like for me, you know, I lift my leg up or I like I extend my arm out to like block him. You know what I mean? And like I'm not touching him or like hitting him or anything like that I'm just defending myself I'm just like putting out my arm or putting up my leg when he acts like he's gonna hit me somewhere low below the waist that I'm like hey listen like that's cool you know what I mean like you're not gonna hurt me unless you hit me in the balls that'll that'll hurt no matter what uh but like I'm also not gonna just let you sit here and hit on me like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna block it and and like keep you at a little arm's length distance and be like hey man cut it out like cut it out you know what I mean so so he's like, he can be as rambunctious with me as he as he wants, really, but like I can handle that because, you know, I'm I'm a big dude and like 
I just like I'm impervious to pain. You know what I mean? So like if he slaps me in the arm, what is it to me? You know what I mean? But it's just little things like that. And it's just like I think, um, you know, one of the things that he shared with me was that, uh, you know, his mom has had a couple of boyfriends since their dad left. Um, so, yeah, so he's nine years old. His dad left them and they don't have any contact with their dad. And their dad is just totally skated on all his responsibilities, you know, lives in this nice house and has this new life and totally is welched on his obligation to his kids. And that, I think, makes him a piece of shit. And... Uh, make would make anybody you know a dad or a mom if you welch on your kids like that and just act like they don't it exist in the same city that you live in you're a piece of shit okay but the thing is he's had a couple of different guys that have been in his life that really haven't turned out that great for him I mean he told me about one of his mom's boyfriends that was a heavy drinker he also told me about one of his mom's boyfriends that beat him you know Nine years old, this kid's getting beat by somebody that's not even his own dad. That's fucked up. And I think what happens is, you know, I don't know if he was doing it out of just, you know, sometimes these abusive parents, they come home and they're pissed off and you're there. So they're going to take it out on you. Other times, it's parents that can't control their rage and can't control their anger. And so they end up taking it out on you. But it's because you've kind of pushed them to that limit and they lose control. So, yeah, certainly, like, you know, you, you've you kind of done some things that maybe would, would cause a normal parent to be like, hey, we need to talk about this. Let's take a step back. Or, like, let's talk about why this was not okay. You know, a parent or a parental person, you know, a parental figure with anger problems or that just doesn't know how to deal with a kid that hyper and rambunctious is going to probably try to beat it out of them because that's just what they think is the right thing to do, you know, or they get so frustrated that they fly off the handle and they end up putting their hands on a kid because they think that it'll teach them a lesson or it'll toughen them up or whatever the fuck these people think. But like, I certainly dealt with that growing up, getting in a lot of trouble and, uh, uh, certainly, you know, my dad took that approach to me is like, I just don't know what else to do with this kid. So I'm going to beat his ass because I'm just like, I don't know what else to do, you know? And and listen, that 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 didn't help. It certainly didn't work, you know? So like great job, but uh yeah, I just to think about this kid and and like these weren't, you know, seriously recent boyfriends. Um so to think that at even a younger age, you know, there were people in this kid's life that were beating him like that. And I was just like, god, man, that's that's rough, you know? But that's why it's so important and that's why it's such a good match for me is because I actually have the patience and the understanding and can relate to him. And I actually have the patience to be like, I'm going to let you kind of like die out with this this big like rush of sugar or, you know, whatever's got you so amped up right now and like why you're not listening to me. And then we'll come back to it and we'll talk about it and... I think just that, just that in and of itself, just being willing to just be like, I have patience for you. You're worth my patience. You're worth me sticking around so that we can actually have a conversation about this. And I'm willing to do that because you matter to me and I want to see you do well. And I don't want to see you go down some of the same roads and make some of the same mistakes that I did growing up. 
That's what it's all about, man. That's what it's really all about. It's just like me helping him navigate his life. And he's nine years old, so we got, you know, we got our, our, our entire lifetime. Um, the match lasts for like a year. But I already know just after a couple conversations and hanging out with him one time, I'm going to be somebody that he can call no matter what, no matter how old we are. And I hope that he does because I still do that with my guys, like my big brothers. I still do that with all these guys where it might not be every month, might not be every couple months, but I still stay in touch and we'll call these people up, leave them a voicemail, shoot them a nice text and like a note to say I'm thinking about you and I'm always appreciative of what you were for me and what you what you are for me, what you continue to be for me and I'm just grateful to have you in my life. And I know that I'm going to be able to to be that for him as long as I'm here still kicking and breathing, baby, you know? And so like now it's like that's even more reason to stay. It's like I have an obligation to him to not be somebody else that tells them that I'm going to be here and tells them all these fucking things and fills his head with, and then just dips. You know what I mean? I'm not going to do that. I'm here, man. I'm in it for the long haul. So he knows that. And I'm excited to see where this goes because, again, I just, there's so many things that, uh, you know, when we start talking about them, I literally feel like I'm looking in a mirror. I swear to God, and I know, and I just, I pray, man, I pray, and I pray, and I pray for forgiveness for all the people that had to deal with me when I was a little munchkin running around, nine years old and younger, um, terrible twos up until four and five. You know, my parents didn't want to send me to kindergarten at age five when everybody normally goes. Because I wasn't mature enough and ready enough to go. I could not sit in a seat for long enough periods of time to be in kindergarten. And when six years old rolled around, they were like, well, we got to start him at some point. I probably still wasn't ready, you know? But they were like, we got to start him in kindergarten at some point. So that's that's why I'm like a year older than a lot of people that I graduated with. By age is, uh, you know... I, I wasn't held back, but I, I, I was held back from starting, you know? And um, just, I, I just, I feel like I'm looking in a mirror sometimes when, uh, when we're talking and when he does some of the stuff. And like, I can just, I can just totally understand why he does some of the things that he does. It's like we're taking this dog on a walk, okay? And the dog's squatting down and his leash is kind of caught behind him and, my little brother just takes the leash and swipes it up his ass, and now he's got dog shit on the leash, you know? And that's, like, something that's, like, why would you do that? You know what I mean? But if you're a kid and you think it's funny and and you're just, like, that thought uh, doesn't go through your mind of, like, this little voice inside your head. Like, my dad used to get so mad at me, and my mom used to get so mad at me, and all these people, they would be like, didn't you have a little voice inside your head that said, this isn't a good idea, or don't do this, or maybe I shouldn't, I'm like, nope, I was just like, fuck it, let's do it, you know, didn't think twice about it, I can understand that line of thinking, so when he does something like that, I'm like, dude, dude, come on, man, like, you're cleaning that up, I'm not cleaning it up, your mom isn't cleaning it up, she didn't do it, so you're gonna stand at your kitchen sink, and you're gonna clean that up, and sure enough, when we came home, and, you know, he had to explain what happened, uh, you know, I'm like, dude, 
what did we say? You're you're going to be the one to clean it up. We're not cleaning it up. And she's, you know, we're kind of on the same side in that. And, and he did. And he stood there and he cleaned it up. But like other people, they don't have patience and they don't have the understanding for somebody that does something like that. It's like, oh, what's wrong with you? Or like, why do you have to be this way? It's like, no, just like, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. Yeah, it might be an inconvenience to you sometimes, but you know what? Like, don't make me feel like I'm this big, giant inconvenience and this lost cause and, you know, you got to beat it out of me. Like, fuck you, you know? That's not cool either, you know? So, um, it's just like, we have these little things that happen and I swear to God, man, it's like I'm, I'm uniquely positioned to be his big brother just because I know all of the things that... Uh, that I did and like kind of why I did them and I just I I will never fully understand why he does some of the things that he does either and that's part of it you know that's you could say that about anybody but I also do understand more than most people kind of why you know his why in a lot of these things and it just it really is a good match because it's like I know exactly how to be with him you know because I'm basically like how am I with my other rambunctious younger cousins or, you know, how am I with a dog that runs to me full sprint? You know, I kind of like, I put my knee up, I kind of like turn my shoulder a little bit and I brace for impact, right? It's like, you kind of have to be able to do that sometimes in life. Uh, it's just brace for impact, you know, uh, but not run away, not turn your back and, and, and just be like, fuck this, I'm out. You know what I mean? So, um, it's awesome, and I've got him, and he's got me, and um, for so obviously you can understand why, you know, I'm kind of hesitant on the social media thing, because everything that I've just shared is like really private. I mean, you know, it, it to an extent, right? I mean, and it's it's very like, I, and I don't want to feel like I'm airing out somebody else's business or sharing somebody's business or like, you know, sharing information that maybe isn't necessarily mine to share. Uh, but if it's all anonymous, then I then I feel like, okay, well, I know for a fact that I'm never going to out him or his mom or his brother or their family or where they live, where they go to school, any of that kind of stuff. And because, because of that, you know, that's the reason that I've kind of talked about some of this stuff is just because like... Yeah, it, it is real, and it's it's real to my experience, it's real to his experience, it's real talk, it's authentic, and again, I'm not doing it in ter- in like a way that's like, oh my god, you guys, like this is juicy, it's like, no, like this is just, you know, what this kid's dealing with, and it had to be this way, like it had to be this way, because I couldn't have, like I could have, I could have related to somebody that if it had been a little brother that was like from a nice family with a mom and a dad and they just wanted them to get involved with some kind of a charity, you know what I mean? Like, so they're like, oh, let's put little Bingham the third into Big Brother's Big Sisters. Totally a fake name that I just made up. But like Bingham the third with his bow tie and his conservative views and his swoop, you know, it's like, I'm not going to really fuck with that kid that much. I'm not going to really relate to that kid that much. Um, because his childhood is very different than mine was, but you give me a kid that comes from a broken home and you give me a kid that has a couple of different, uh, behavioral things that he's dealing with. 
I absolutely, that's my fucking wheelhouse, dude. That's, that's everything that I've lived up to this point. So of course I'm an expert on that and I am uniquely positioned to be everything for him that I, I could have used as a kid growing up, you know, and try to help him navigate some of that stuff so he doesn't have to, like I said, step on some of the same landmines that I did, you know, and, and uh, go through some of those casualties. But like, I'm sure that um, he's still going to go through that as he gets older. I mean, look, he's nine years old. And certainly he's got, listen, he's got nine years to go until he's 18 years old. And then from there, then you're legal. You know what I mean? Like, so he's got a long way to go. But uh, I just, I want to try and be um, one of the best things that uh, has ever happened to him and has has ever happened for him. And I want to try to, you know, just know that he's going to still make mistakes. He's probably going to still get into things before some of the other kids in his class and, stuff like that and that just kind of comes with it and being exposed to very mature themes and very real situations um you know adult situations as a kid that can be tough you know but look it didn't break me it only made me the person that I am today and I think with this help that I'm able to give him it can really help him come a long way too and that's my biggest thing is just I want to help you steer clear of some of these things so that you maybe don't have to make a lot of these same mistakes and that you can get to adulthood and and reach that point and then look back and be like, damn, I'm really glad I had Benny T there to help show me the way. That's my biggest goal is just to make sure that he reaches adulthood and make sure that you know, he, he doesn't get in too much trouble along the way is uh, is my big thing. So, yeah, I'm really excited, man. We we spent a couple hours doing that, and then we came back in and, uh, you know, kind of sat at the kitchen table. He ate the ice cream. His mom was kind of working, talking to him, you know, for some stuff about his baseball uh, league coming up. They're just about to start doing that. And, um, you know, it's like he was sad that I had to leave. You know, after a couple hours, I was like, all right, guys, this was great, but I'm going to go ahead and go so you can keep working and finish up your week. And, um, you know, I, I have a couple things that I need to kind of still wrap up here at the end of my week. So this was awesome. And I think what I'm going to do is spend every other week in person with him. So whether it's you know, walking the dog, or whether it's like he's really into video games, he wants to start a YouTube channel, um, so I can help him with some of that stuff. He thinks that the studio that I've built is really cool, and it is, and it is. But like, he's gonna be really excited to get on the microphone, and like, well, I'm gonna do like a a mock show with him, and like, you know, make him make him just believe, man, just like make him believe that this is like. That I'm interviewing him and that that he's he's important enough to do that because he is because m- most of you are you know what I mean and I hope that you've had somebody in your life that that makes you feel that you are worthy of that time and that space and that attention and that energy and that focus and I just I wish that for all of you and um, when you can sit there and in the studio chair and feel like this is your moment and I'm just asking you questions about you and we're talking about you. That's like, dude, that, that alone can make all the difference in the world to a nine year old kid. That's never had anybody willing to take the time to do that for them, you know? And I know how much of a difference it would have made for me if I had that, you know, at age, 
11, 12, 13, 14, fucking even, even when I hit 18, man, like, God damn, you know, it's like, it's crazy. It's crazy how things come full circle. But, um, we had such a great day. We, we really had a great day. And then, um, yeah, every other week I think is going to be the schedule. Um, you know, coming up with new things to do together, going out to eat or, um, they, they don't like us to spend a lot of money. So, but I'm like, cool. You know what? Give me a kid that's into football or baseball. Or honestly, I said, give me a kid that's into anything. You know, I'd prefer it to be sports, but you give me a kid that's in theater or band or choir or their thing is, you know, whatever the fuck, I'm going to nurture that interest with that kid and find creative ways to do that with that kid so that they feel like their thing is like the most important and it's like cool that that the things that they're interested in they feel comfortable being themselves and being like this is really what I like to do and not being ashamed of that you know whatever it is so um I told him that and and I'm I'm really really glad that I got a kid that plays football and baseball and so you know I'm going to do some drills. We're going to go down to Waterfront Park and I'll set out some cones and I'll be like, "Hey, this is what I learned in college football." You know what I mean? This is how you get off a jam. This is how you break a guy's ribs without letting the ref know that you're throwing a punch. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of kidding with that one. All right? I'm not going to encourage violence with the boy. But uh, yeah, all this other stuff, man. I'm just, I'm really excited to do active things with him, and um, you know, just, just do that. So that'll be every couple of weeks, and then we're gonna do like a probably like a, you know, they want us to have contact with them like a couple times a month. I'm thinking since this kid maybe could use a little bit more attention. And my influence is only going to be a positive reinforcement of the things that, you know, his mom and his teachers and his coaches are are trying to, like, instill and manifest in his life. I'm only going to be a conduit of all of those things and and help them with that and help reach him in that sense. So I think it would be good to check in with him every week, whether it's in person. Those will be every other week. And then in between those hangouts, it'll be hopping on a 10-minute Zoom call just to touch base and just to be like, what's up, man? How was your week? You know, I I think we've kind of established um, at least Fridays right now uh, as a cool way to end the week for both of us. I mean, I look forward to this as much as he does. I get such a fucking kick out of it. I felt so good coming out of our meetup on Friday. And I was just like, this is so, this is, this feeling right here is why I do it. And seeing how happy I made him and getting the text later on that night that I'll from his mom that I'll read in a second here. But like, that's why I do it. So I think we're going to do that where I at least have, you know, a little bit of contact with him every week. Um, you know, it's like they uh, he does have a cell phone, but I just I don't know. You know, I don't know what it is. Not not that they'd ever have to worry about this part of it with me. Um, being a creep, but like, I, I just, I don't know the, the, the thing about like texting a, with a nine year old boy, just maybe a bridge that I don't feel that is really necessary for our relationship to grow and prosper. Uh, it, you know, if, if that doesn't happen, I think we'll be okay, you know? And I don't, I don't want to, um, you know, have that where it's like, if he texts me and I don't get back to him, it's like, oh, why didn't my big brother text me back? And like, I just don't also want his mom or anybody to be like, you know, obviously his mom knows knows the deal, but 
you know, if if he's with somebody that doesn't know that he's involved in Big Brothers Big Sisters, and it's like, oh hey, like who are you texting or like who was that? And you're like, oh that's that's uh Ben, you know, well who is Ben? Oh he's you know my big brother, and like for most people, fine, they they'll accept that my big brother. But I don't know something about like if a nine year old told me they were texting with somebody, I, I might be like. Uh, you know, like, is that something you should be doing? It's like, and I don't think that our relationship needs texting in order to, to be what it is. So I'm just, I don't know. I, you know, I just, I don't want to go down that road. Um, but the zoom thing is cool. Um, I talk to him like I talk to all the guests and people that I do zoom interviews with. So he feels like he's a guest when, when we do that. And, um, he can see the kind of stuff that sits behind me here at the, uh, you know, at my studio. And so it's cool. It's, it's really cool. Um, I do want to read this text that his mom sent me later on in the day. You know, I leave, I go hang out with my girlfriend that night. We go out to dinner and I was so excited to tell her about how the day went. And as we're sitting there at dinner, um, my little brother's mom texts me. And I read it, and it <laughs> it made me emotional sitting there. And I read it to my girlfriend, Maddie, and she got emotional as I'm reading it, getting emotional. And we were both sitting in the booth looking like the emoji with the big black eyes uh, that look like you're going to cry. It's like, oh, you hit me right in the feels looking emoji. It's like, mm. <laughs> like she sent me this uh, Friday night. Hi, Ben. Thank you for spending time with little brother. He loved it. He told his therapist that it made his day so exciting. This makes me so happy for him. You are a real blessing in his life. (laughs) Oh, it pierces my heart in the best possible way. But it's just like, dude, like, that's fucking amazing. That's amazing. And I texted her back and I said, hey, the feeling's definitely mutual. I really enjoyed hanging with him, and I've been getting very excited talking about it with people today. And I really feel like I am exactly who he needs, and I am just so grateful for this opportunity to be able to be everything for him that I wish that I had growing up. And even after just today, I already know that this relationship is going to be one that I cherish, and it'll end up being one of the greatest things that I could have ever done in my life. My biggest hope is that I'm able to help him navigate the seasons of his life and steer him clear of making some of the same mistakes I made as I got older. I definitely shared some of the same tendencies as a kid, and being with him felt like I was looking in a mirror, dot, dot, dot. I feel like because I know how to deal with myself and how I would have dealt with myself if I were my parents or in my shoes with him now, I know exactly how to be with him. And over time, as I really build up that trust with him and our relationship grows, I think he'll really listen to me and I'll be able to reach him. And I just want to let you know that I just want to help. I just want to help. You know, I'm just here to help. Help him, help you, and make him feel good about himself and his future and the things that he's into. So after today, we're off to a really great start and I'm excited to see how we continue growing together moving forward. And yeah, man, everything in there is real talk. That's that's the realest, purest shit that I think uh, I have left to say about it is just if you're considering or if you ever have considered 
becoming involved with Big Brothers Big Sisters, I'm sure that if you went through the process and you described what you're looking for, your experiences, what makes you kind of a credible person to be able to help somebody that's maybe dealing with this or that, and um, you kind of break it down and you're honest about it, the match support specialists, if you have the same one that I had, will do an excellent job in making sure that they place you with a little brother or a little sister that um, you can relate to. And uh, if you've ever thought about doing it, I would seriously encourage you to do it because, I mean, listen, the, the most selfless thing that you can do is volunteering. And the most important and limited and scarce commodity that we have is our time, our time and our energy and our effort. And volunteering those things, that's one thing to just volunteer your money, right? That's great. These places, the YMCA, women's shelters, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, yeah, they need donations to keep, you know, that part of the business going. But they also need people that can dedicate their time and their focus and their energy and their effort and their attention to these kids that need it. And if you've ever seriously thought about doing it, I think you should do it. I think it's something that you will absolutely not regret doing. I think you will enjoy it. I think it will give you such an immense sense of fulfillment, especially if you're coming at it like like how I'm coming at it from is just like, you know, if you're an only child or if you're the the, the youngest but you never really got along with your siblings or you're the oldest but, um, you know, now your younger siblings are older and they're off in college or they're in the real world working and they're older and like you just want that but you really don't want the the uh, the the financial burden of having children or you're not ready to do that yet this is like the perfect trial run for you this is it man that you should do it you should absolutely do it and they're always looking for quality people to to get involved and um i just i know it's not something that you're ever going to regret you know, it's because it's it's going to make you feel so incredibly good that you're able to help somebody out um, who needs it. You know, these kids are in the program for a reason. You know that? And uh, I just think it'll make you feel great. And it's something really cool to do. And they really look up to you and it, and it matters and it makes a big difference in their life. So, you know, you you could save them. You know, you could save somebody's life. You never know. You know, them being able to draw back on memories that they create with you and that relationship, that might be what keeps them from going into the abyss and staring into the abyss. You know what I mean? So like, you just never know how things are going to land for people. But dude, if you're thinking about it, do it. And you can list me as a reference if we're like that. And I'd be happy for most of you, you know, that are listening to, uh, to, to certainly vouch for you. You know, if I, if I feel that, uh, you're somebody that deserves, you know, that my my endorsement. I'm not just gonna endorse anybody that asked, you know what I mean? But like if if we fuck with each other and stuff like that, yeah, I'd be I'd be happy and I'd be absolutely ask me first, but like I'd be absolutely cool if you use me as a reference. And the reason I even say that is because a couple people, even just me talking about it on this show that I'm close with, have kind of said, Hey, I'm I'm kinda getting interested in this now. Let me know how it goes. Like let me know. I'm excited to hear this episode now that that uh, you're going to be talking about this. So, yeah, guys, hit me up, and uh, I'd be happy to talk to you about it in depth. So, yeah, man, that's where we're at with that. I uh, 
I want to shift gears here. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about this because, again, it's like I just spent an hour and 12 minutes on a really good, positive note, and I feel really good about that, plus this exciting news that I have to drop at some point in the next couple weeks. Um, but I also need to, and, and feel like I, I need to address a couple other things. Um, well, just one one main thing, really, is, you know what, it's funny that last week, on last week's episode, I was kind of talking about some of the things that I speak up about and some of the things that are important to me and some of the things that I feel that uh, it is important to have other allies and other people that see something happening to a group of people or to one person and stand up for those people and call out bullshit when you see bullshit. You know, and that's what I do. I call out bullshit, you know, whether it's the cowboy story that I told you guys, whether it's a handful of other stories that I've told you guys about me straight up, the guy in the gym on some reckless shit. It's like, I'm going to call out bullshit as I see it. Um, People in my life that are no longer there because I called them on their bullshit and they either weren't ready to deal with it or weren't willing to deal with it. Whatever, but like now you're no longer here, and you know, farewell. You know what I mean. But um, the thing that stuck out to me was last Tuesday when I taped the episode was the day that uh, something was supposed to happen in terms of like the transition between Trump and Biden, and. It was funny because I talked a little bit about the Black Lives Matter movement that day, and then um, I, I kind of talked about like the people that, <laughs> this is where I was going with it. I talked last week about people that lived here and elsewhere, but mainly here, over the summer that saw everything going down in our own backyard, in our own community, and were so unwilling to listen to Black Lives Matter people, or just black experiences, you know, or people that were like, well, I have a black neighbor and I asked him and or I asked her or this lady that I work with and they they didn't say anything like to me about it. They didn't seem offended. And it's like, you know, those are probably people that are just tired of trying to to fucking like go down that road with people that they know aren't going to understand. So they just choose not to go down that road with you just because the one black person that you know didn't take it there with you doesn't mean that their silence or them not condemning what you've said is a stamp of approval. It's just probably you're a fucking idiot and they don't want to deal with you. So they're just like content letting you believe whatever you want to believe and don't bother me. Like I don't fuck with you, but I'm not going to tell you that because that's not nice. You know what I mean? But fuck all that. Um, and those people that, that, that do that kind of shit that are anti-Black Lives Matter they found the Blue Lives Matter thing and they put those stickers up on the back of their cars and they fly those flags and they try to act like it's not anti-black. But in reality, that's exactly what the fuck it is. And none other than last week's events in Washington, D.C. proved that point. You people are all fucking hypocrites. And if you were one of the people in this city or in other cities that rush to Facebook and talk about Blue Lives Matter and Cop Lives Matter and Not All Cops and all that stuff. It's like the Not All Cops thing, yeah, fine, I'm with that. Just like I'm with Not All Black People or Not All Latinos or Not All Gay People or Not All White People. Any of the 
above and hit fill in the blank, I'm with the not all the things. But choosing not to listen to your own community and understand where they're coming from and understanding their hurt and understanding their experiences and turning it into blue lives matter, cop lives matter. You know what was fucking ironic was that I say all this stuff on last week's episode and then later on, after I've taped, after I've edited, I'm standing up in my condo and I'm watching the craziest shit that I've ever seen on live television unfold. Because I was too young for the OJ thing. I'm sure that probably would have been the craziest thing that I've ever witnessed live going down. People that were older in 1994 certainly remember that. Um, but I, 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 watching the events that unfolded last week at the Capitol uh, was fucking crazy, man. And you know what's funny is it's like the Spider-Man pointing meme where all of these people who no doubt are on Facebook talking shit and have like all these have wrapped themselves in the flag talking about Kaepernick is anti-military and protests are anti-American government and anti-American. Well, first of all, that's what our fucking country was founded on, you idiot. Read the Bill of Rights, okay? The very First Amendment is what we fucking did at the Boston Tea Party, first of all. <laughs> A little history lesson for you, baby. Second of all, or third, or however many fucking points I have to make until it sinks in, the same exact people that were saying cop lives matter and blue lives matter and protect the blue and I stand with the blue were the same people who were shooting cops, who were stampeding cops, who were not listening to cops, who were having cops fear for their life at the Capitol. And those people are all fucking hypocrites. And you know what they've done is they've exposed themselves to say it was never about this in the first place. It was always an anti-black thing. It always was. Either you're somebody that takes that stance and you're anti-black so you dress it up in the cop lives matter thing so you don't have to admit I'm anti-black. I don't like black mobility. I don't like black people moving into my neighborhood. I don't like black people competing now with me for the same opportunities and a leveled playing field. Yeah, that shit still exists in 2020 and certainly in 2021, baby. It's a brand new year. We're still in the same bullshit as a country. But also what you're saying is um, if, 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 if you say, well, no, that's not true. Like, I didn't intentionally think all those things. Well, then that means, my friend, that you're too ignorant to understand that you're being manipulated. That you see these, these campaigns, the Cop Lives Matter campaign, and you're not, you don't have critical enough thinking skills to say, I'm being deceived. These people are making me think one thing and believe in this cause, and I'm failing to grasp what they're actually doing and why this is a thing. You know what I mean? So either you're too dumb to know that it's going on, or you refuse to admit it, and you're just willfully playing ignorant. But either way, you're dumb. It's dumb. And the same people that were talking all that shit about the Black Lives Matter protests, guess what, guys? They shot cops. They stampeded cops. They ran past cops. They had Congress people using fucking underground tunnels to escape. And it was President Trump sitting there inflaming all of these people, these radical fucking crazy people, 
that come from all over the country and that hide in plain view and are probably little sheriffs in their local towns and they're people who sit on the PTA boards and they're people that make decisions and work at the bank and sell you insurance. And these people stormed the Capitol and fucking committed an act of domestic terrorism. That's what it was. That's what that was, dude. That's what that was. They tried and they failed. You fucking failed, you losers, at a coup d'etat. And it's really the craziest thing that I've ever seen. And Trump basically manufactured that with his social media channels and with the rhetoric that he's been using over the last four years. People say, oh, I don't think Trump's racist. He's a businessman, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Four years later, it's pretty hard to deny that a lot of the stuff that he talks about and a lot of the rhetoric that he uses isn't rooted in racist ideologies, white nationalist ideologies, and appeals to those rural voters, quote unquote, which basically means redneck motherfuckers that shoot guns, love America, wear the Make America Great Again hat, hunt, dip, talk shit about women and minorities and gay people and think this is how a man should act and spits dip out on the ground. That's a trumper to me. And you know what? Maybe it's unfair to lump all people who support Trump in like that because what the sad thing is, there's certainly smart people in our city that are in high positions, that are Republican, that support Trump. And I think... (laughs) jumped onto his bandwagon just because they were so loyal to their party, the Republican Party and conservative America and their conservative moral views that they then push upon everybody else. And that's all bullshit. I mean, it really is. Like, I'm not a Democrat and I'm not a Republican. I vote literally based on who I think is going to get me closer and the country closer to ultimately what I value. And, And a lot of that stuff isn't like the moral stuff. It's not, oh, Second Amendment rights. It's not, I care about your workers' union. It's not, you know, tax cuts for the rich. Like, I just care about somebody that's going to make good decisions based on the, the general good of the people, of society, you know? Not for a select few, not appeal to people who are despicable human beings that deserve to rot in jail now for what they did last week. But it's just... You know, for anybody that said, you know, and and I know you know these people, and I know you know these people that were like, well, it's not so much, you know, that that I hate Kaepernick. I just, I don't think you should kneel, uh, you know, with the flag or during the national anthem. Or I hate Kaepernick, and I and I can't, I you know, I I I'm willing to listen to his message, but because of the way he did it, I'm not willing to listen to to what he has to say. It's like. You were never willing in the first place. So so please stop dressing it up as if it's something where, you know, you were going to do this good deed, but then you got talked out of it because of the way that he did it. No. Sometimes messages come out, and who gives a fuck? You know, if I deliver something that sticks with you and I say fuck 30 times in an episode in an hour and a half, then if the message does what it says it does, then who cares how I deliver it? You know, the people that sit there and go, Oh, no, I'm not going to listen to you now because you live, you use foul language. It's like, well, you were probably never going to listen in the first place, so fucking get lost. And I don't say any of that stuff to alienate my more moderate, 
conservative-leaning listeners that are Republican that aren't with the events last week and are pro-Black Lives Matter but are still Republican or still conservative or religious or whatever, like, that's fine. Like, like I said, not all Republicans are like that, right? Not all conservatives are like that. But I just, I definitely condemn that part of it. Yeah, absolutely I do. And that's not how, that's, that's not, you know what, if, if, if that is you, then find another podcast. Like, cause I don't, I'm not, I'm only going to say things that upset you because we don't align with those values, my friend. And we never will. And so for all these people that, that sit there and act like, oh, it was Kaepernick or, oh, Black Lives Matter, like, it was never about that. And everybody wanted to talk about, you know, the protests here doing damage to businesses and property. It's like, yeah, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, that's not cool, you know? These businesses that have been closed down through COVID and aren't able to open up their doors and now they got to fix broken windows or their shit boarded up down on 4th Street that, um, you know, are still boarded up, some of them, which is fucking just so dramatic at this point, seriously. But um, I do empathize with that because it's like, you know, some of them are family businesses, you know? They don't, they don't have a lot of money to, to shell out for something like that. and But like civil unrest isn't something that is peaceful. Like sometimes it gets a little violent. And when you feel like you've been eating the same shit sandwich for hundreds of years since being brought to this country in, in you know, slave boats and then being disrespected and disenfranchised every step of the way, eventually if people still aren't listening and you're still getting shot and people still aren't giving a fuck and things still aren't changing and cops still aren't getting arrested for for murdering people as they sleep in their own bed, you know, that's probably where you're going to go, okay, enough is enough. Like, we tried to do it the peaceful way. We tried to do it your way. Now we're going to fucking break some shit and light some shit on fire. And I don't condone violence. I don't, you know, but I can understand how someone could get that upset. You know, it's like the example that I use is like, if you're if you're telling somebody something, hey, don't do that. Hey, don't do that. Hey, don't do this to me. Hey, don't do this to me. How many times are you going to say it before you raise your voice? Until you can no longer be okay with just saying it in your regular, normal, indoor voice. When are you going to start to raise your voice? At what point? You know, that's subjective to everybody. And at what point... If you've raised your voice a few times or many times, if you're in a relationship with somebody or you're telling your company, hey, hey, guys, guys, I need help. Don't do this to me. You're telling your friends, don't do this to me anymore. You feel like you've yelled at them a couple times, but it still didn't change anything. Guess what? You might throw something. You might break something for dramatic effect. And maybe that will get their attention. And 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 maybe it'll drive the point home. Like, we're done fucking being polite about it. Nice for what? Nice for what? So like I understand how all of that stuff goes down, right? I can understand it. I don't think that it's right, but I can also understand that part of it. And the people that don't, you know, maybe that'll give you an insight into it. And you don't have to agree with me and that's fine. And we can agree to disagree. And I'm absolutely cool with that. But there have been people that aren't even willing to listen to that part of it and just want to act like it's not 
anti-black or anti-Kaepernick when that's really what it is. And so they dress it up in the Cop Lives Matter thing. And then look where you're at is the Spider-Man meme, you pointing at yourself. And it's a bunch of people that stormed the Capitol last week. And all the stuff that they talk about, cop lives mattering and stuff like that, if they matter so much, then why'd you do that? Why'd you kill a cop? Why did you trample these people? Why did you make these people fear for their life? And one more thing is like, <laughs> you know, if you can't understand, and maybe you're biased, maybe maybe you still don't see it up until this point, but maybe these last couple minutes will make it sink in for you and your world will go from black and white to technicolor like it did in The Wizard of Oz and you're now stepping into this new world and your eyes are fresh and you can appreciate this new perspective is anytime black people and the Black Lives Matter movement said we're going to have this this meetup, said we're going to march for decades, you know, not just this summer, but going back to when Martin Luther King and all of those other people marched down in Selma and in Montgomery and got their fucking ass beat in by local policemen and they released the dogs on them and fire hoses. Why do you think that those people, those white people, those racists didn't want them marching and voting and using their voice and speaking up and being seen and being heard? Why do you think that people back then were willing to take those beatings and die? And get bit by dogs and get hosed down by hoses so powerful it'll take your fucking skin off your bone. Because those images are powerful. And they needed the world to see how they were being treated. And what's funny is anytime, even now in 2020 and 2021, just this past summer, Black Lives Matter would be doing a march, they'd be doing a demonstration, and most of the time it was peaceful. Yeah, sure, just like any other group There's always going to be a couple knuckleheads, a couple fucking morons that are doing things that probably shouldn't be done. That's people, man. Congratulations. You know what I mean? You can find that example anywhere. Um, But they were largely peaceful demonstrations and protests, and yet there were SWAT team police out in full force. I saw fucking tanks. I mean waiting to meet these people and shooting them with tear gas and rubber bullets and not even saying anything to to like these people just opening fire and being like respect me because I'm the law you have to those people were all the time in position anytime one of these black protests was going to go down but for weeks and weeks and weeks it was a known fact that this group of people was were going to ascend on Washington, D.C. and be there. And what was the response to those people? Do you think they brought in the National Guard? No, they didn't. They didn't. Do you think that they made sure that all the military and police people that were in the area didn't take a day off and were there standing arm to arm in a big human wall, not letting people pass through? Or being there preemptively to make sure that things didn't get out of hand. No, they weren't. It looked to me that they were undermanned. They were underprepared. And honestly, that's what they wanted. That's what Trump wanted. He wanted to be able to prove that look what I can make these people do. Look at the power that I have. Because he's a fucking delusional, authoritarian lunatic. 
that appeals to the worst kinds of people and the worst reminders of society and the people that live in it within our own country, within our own community. And I just, I hope that you can appreciate and understand what had happened over the summer here and in other cities when black people went to protest and the, the resistance they were met with and the attempts to get them to shut up and go home and go away and be broken up and discouraged from continuing to do that stuff. And then one that was also planned weeks in advance that you knew, that you knew were going to be toting rifles and being like, you know, gun nuts and all these different people that fall into the Trump boxes and check all those boxes. You knew based on previous examples of them showing up to places, what they usually do, don't tread on me, cop lives matter, make America great again, guns, beards, redneck bullshit, rah, rah, rah. And what was the response to that? How did you guys handle that as, as a, as a, you know, as a, an administration, Mr. Trump, knowing that these people were going to be in the city? Did you meet them with the same resistance that you met black people when black people were marching for their social causes? And that's it. It's like these people that did this are literally convinced that the the election was stolen from Trump. Like you people are fucking brain dead and you don't think for yourself and you're so easily manipulated. And that's what ignorance does to people. It makes them easily be manipulated. Like a smart person that sees something pop up probably looks at the link or probably questions it or doesn't just take things at face value. You'd hope, you know, most of the people that I speak with, at least maybe I keep around, I do keep around a more intelligent circle around me, but like those people, like they, it's not like they just read one thing and they're like, well, this is it. This is fact, nothing else, you know, like (laughs) those people are ruining our society, are ruining our society. And they pose a threat to democracy because not only now has Trump cast a huge shadow of doubt on our election and on the U.S. Postal Service and on places like FedEx and on the, the, the polling stations and places that count the votes and count the ballots and like the integrity of our most sacred democratic processes, okay? That one is is even a little thick and heavy for me to use. But like seriously, this is like this is real shit. Like we're talking about the core principles of our beliefs in this country, the system in which we operate by. And going back 4 years now with the way that Trump got elected and the Russia thing, and all of those weird ties, and Steve Bannon, and all these fucking people that end up serving a couple months in a position, get fired, have these really, really strange and, um, you know, just relationships that are not, they're not able to fully disclose, Paul Manafort's of the world, Roger Stone's of the world, as entertaining as I think that guy is, that guy's a fucking cancer to our society. Yeah, I think he's kind of funny here and there, um, but... I like the thing that he says, I revel in your hatred, but there's a reason that so many people hate him. There's a reason that he went to jail and then gets pardoned. You know what I mean? And he's back. He he orchestrated, Roger Stone orchestrated the Brooks Brothers protest with the Al Gore and Bush election, literally stopped people in Florida from counting the ballots so that 
George Bush would become the president when he did. That was Roger Stone. The Brooks Brothers protest. Look it up. Okay? Roger Stone is the same guy that worked to get Donald Trump elected. He's the same guy that went to jail for very questionable things going on in the election process and in his role in it. And he's the same guy that got pardoned and is back out on the streets with a bullhorn, egging these people on, speaking to them through Alex Jones and InfoWars and putting a bunch of stupid bullshit conspiracy theories. QAnon, give me a fucking break, man. All over Facebook and Twitter and disinformation, cast doubt, make you question it. They made you think that Trump was the only noble guy in a sewer full of shit. But really, now we're just overflowing with it. Give me a fucking break, man. So not only did we go through four years of Trump getting elected, and certainly people... in like I, I can't sit here and act like there weren't people around the country that, that, you know, ultimately were persuaded by him and sold by him. And what does that say about us as a country, that, that we were willing to elect it? But you know what? We had another election, and Biden won by a landslide, whooped his fucking ass. So I think I could feel better about that at least. But, like, what a fucking whiny baby. Like, oh, no, I didn't get elected. Oh, no, I don't want to hand over these powers. Oh, no, they stole it from me. When I really kind of maybe, I don't know if we'll ever be able to fully prove that Trump stole the election and how he did it and stuff that he used and that was probably questionable at best. (laughs) Morally corrupt at worst, you know, Uh, or downright even just illegal at worst. But he did all that, gets in, and then wants to make you believe that that's what's happening now. The people that swarmed Washington, D.C. literally think that it was stolen from him. It's a conspiracy theory. Trump should be our president. Trump is the answer. Trump cares about... Trump doesn't give a fuck about you, honestly. He cares about himself. And that's about it. That's about it. He cares about himself and people that look like him and keeping things status quo. So, you know, I just, last week, it, it was just funny that I started to go into a lot of that stuff, not even not even really meaning to, but just kind of by chance, and then I walk upstairs, and I'm kind of just watching on TV, and I'm watching people literally rush into where they're having these debates, and it's just like, what are we watching? This is outrageous. So, take that L all you Trumpers out there, and if you separate yourself from those people, but you're still like, well, I still like Trump, and I still, you know what, at some point, it really does become, you know, (laughs) the thing that people struggled with, and the thing that I struggled with was, a year ago, a couple years ago, you know, just because you supported Trump, or you voted for Trump, or, or you think that Trump is, is the better option than Biden, or Hillary, or whatever, um, you know, you're like, well, he's not that bad, or, you know, I don't like Trump, but, you know, I, I like him way more than Hillary, and look, I get that, sure. I, I think that vote for Trump was, was as much of a referendum against Hillary as it was for Donald Trump for president in 2016. Uh, but, you know, a lot of Trumpers say, 
just because I support Trump doesn't mean that I'm racist. It doesn't mean that I don't like gay and lesbian people. It doesn't mean that I don't like low-class working people. It doesn't mean that I'm out of touch. It doesn't mean that I'm too conservative. It doesn't mean all these things. I don't know, man. If you watch what happened last week and you're still like, yep, I fully support Trump and I don't like the guy, but I think he speaks his mind, gosh darn it. It's like, fuck you. Then that to me either means you're too stupid to know what's going on or you're willfully ignorant and you don't want to admit what's going on. And you're not willing to admit that the things that he says, the appeals to white nationalism and racism and, oh, I I grab her by the pussy and all this stuff. It's like, you think that stuff's okay. And so that's that's where you're at with it. And so you're not willing to condemn him because you're not going to out yourself. But guess what? If you're still sitting here saying that you support Trump, it does make you all those things at this point for me. After we saw what we saw last week, yeah, if you still fuck with Trump after that, you are a racist, like straight up, because that's the only other reason that you would still be supporting him is if he's appealing to things that you think are okay. And if you supported him in the first place and now you wouldn't vote for him anymore, good. I'm glad. Maybe you've evolved. You know, maybe you saw that um, (laughs) that wasn't where we needed to go as a country, but it's where we were. Very dark, brief history in this country. But you know what? It's a new day, and now, like I said, I'm not Republican or Democrat, but I tend to lean Democrat more often than not because it's less about the conservative, moral, religious stuff, and they're more left-leaning. Like I'm more left-leaning on my stances, pro-weed, pro-gambling everywhere. I would legalize prostitution. If sex workers want to get compensation and want to do that, and legalizing it means that they'll have access to good health care and that they can actually have safety measures that are taken on behalf of the industry that they work in, which is a billion-dollar industry all over the world. We all want to act like sex workers aren't a thing, but they are. And a lot of times, they're some of the most susceptible to violence against women and violence against trans people is because society just says... We don't really want to think about you anymore. It's like, no, just like, if that's what they want to do, fine. No one's making them do that. But also, make it safe for them. You know what I mean? If people want to use drugs, legalize all drugs, man. If people want to use drugs, do it safely. Don't be a dumbass. But people are going to use drugs, whether it's legal or not. People are going to find ways to gamble, whether it's driving over the fucking bridge to Indiana and giving them our money, or Kentucky being too conservative and too, oh my God, what about the children to legalize gambling and weed? <laughs> it's like, dude, people are going to do what they're going to do. So why why are you trying to throw your morals in my face about it? A lot of times Democrats have more progressive views on stuff. That's why I tend to lean left on social issues, certainly. And, you know, fiscally, I don't make enough money to be like, oh, I vote for my taxes and I vote for, like, nope. I'm 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 just as poor as all the other Democrats in the party. You know what I mean? Like and and of course that's a stereotype and, and a negative stereotype about Democrats, but like you know, the bleeding heart lib, you know? But uh yeah, I tend to lean that side more often than not. And I'm excited about the fact that Democrats have now they've going to have the White House, they're going to have the Senate, and they're going to have the House of Representatives. And it's going to be democratic and look, there's still a massive gridlock in Washington. So 
What happens is one side gets elected, they think they're going to be able to do all this great stuff, and then the other side plays logjam and won't let them get anything passed, and then we get this gridlock. And that sucks. And it's almost like like you're like retribution for losing or something like that. And it's that's stupid because it, it just hurts all of us. You know, the stimulus checks. Mitch McConnell trying to throw in these last second fucking addendums. It's like, dude, why are you trying to get even for something that happened four years ago, eight years ago? It's like, just get some shit done, man. And I hope that um, having at least just one party, whether it's Democrat or Republican, fine. But like the fact that it's Democrat, fine. But one party having all three of those sectors of government and being the majority, I think it'll be great. Maybe things will actually happen now. Things that are better for our communities, things that are better for society. And if you're a staunch Republican and a conservative, you you are always going to think that uh, Democrats are, you know, whatever they are. And you don't agree. And you think the world's going to go to hell in a handbag, young man. And it's like, okay, you know what? We just got through four years of Trump. I think we can get through four or eight years of anything, Okay. Do I think Biden's the answer? No. I hate the fact that he's that fucking old. I hate the fact that everybody in government is that fucking old. The Nancy Pelosi's and the Mitch McConnell's of the world. Schumer. These people are 80 years old, man. Get them the fuck out. They've been there way too long. Term limits. I should run. Listen to me. This is like I'm launching like my platform because I'm just waiting on somebody to say, Benny T, you should run. I should run, you know? But I have other things that I'm more focused on. So, like, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'll be a voice, but I don't want to be, like, the, you know, the Harvey Dent-looking-ass motherfucker up there being the voice. (laughs) Power to the people and all that shit. But, like, I just... I think people have been there in Washington for way too long, man. In no other industry do we say, well, you've got job security till you die. You realize that that's basically... The only way to go out of Congress or the House of Representatives or out of government once you've been voted in is either in a box, like in a body bag, like you have died on the job, you're so old, or you do something embarrassing like Rob Ford or uh, Anthony Weiner or Anthony Weiner or however you say his fucking name with the prostitutes up in New York. And it's just like you fuck yourself. You either die in office or your your image dies in the public because you've done something stupid and get voted out. Or say the N-word. That That's like the only other thing that gets people out of office is like you do one of those things or you make anti-gay, lesbian remarks, anti-trans. Um, but I don't know, man. Even a lot of Republicans have been able to say and get away with a lot of the anti-LGBTQ stuff and it, it just, it plays to their base but that's not the world that I want to live in and I'm calling that bullshit out right now you know what I mean and um, you know if 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 you're a conservative and you're listening to the show and, and I guys, like, I really don't do politics that much, I really don't, I mean I don't I, I don't talk politics with my writers. I don't sit here and talk politics in terms of policies and all that stuff. I just call out what I feel like and I and I speak to what actually interests and and uh, me and that I care about. And when I see people storming the Capitol building last week, I care about that. I want to call that shit out because it's it's hypocrisy at the highest level. And that is something that I am 
I refuse to be willing to let slide. So this isn't a political podcast. This is, this is a variety podcast, man. We do a little bit of everything around here, and we do it pretty fucking well. So I hope that you'll come back. But if you don't, and if these takes have offended you, and you're a conservative and a Republican, and you feel like I've offended you at your, your viewpoints, you know, that's fine. We can agree to disagree. Um, and if you never want to listen to me again, and you know, you, you, you think I'm a fucking idiot and all this stuff, fine. Like, what, what are you to me? Like, who are you to me? You know, I don't give a fuck. You know, have a nice life, my friend. But uh, I hope that we can have these discussions and that you can see that I'm not trying to do that, that I'm not trying to just come down on, on uh, and shit on Republicans and, and make it like this big anti-Republican thing. It's just like, no, you guys were the ones that did that shit last week, so you guys are going to be the ones that I threw a couple body shots at. And Democrats have their fair share of shit, you know? I'm an independent, I, in the truest sense of the word. I'm a free agent, I'm an independent, I'm an independent thinker, and I'm not going to conform to just one party or one ideological view. So just know that if I talk about something, it's not that I have an agenda, it's not that I'm trying to be liberal media, it's that this is who I am, this is what I believe, and here is why. So there we go. Certainly a sharper tone than the first hour of this podcast, but here we are, you know what I mean? But it's all good. I hope that you've enjoyed a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, again, just a kind of a brief reminder, quick car update. We're going to get it back here in the next couple weeks, and I'll have Uber Stories Part 21 for you at some point. We're going to have some big news dropping, and I fucking cannot wait to share that with you. I can't wait, dude. It's the best update that I've ever been able to share on this show. So know that. Be back for that. If you haven't done so already, please leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts because that would really help me out. You want to know how you can help me out? Do that. It takes two seconds. Throw me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, and it could be a topic that we're talking about. It can be the stories. It can be me personally. It can be a segment or an interview or like whatever you find interesting, helpful, useful, entertaining. Uh, <laughs> let me know, you know, leave me an Apple podcast review and a rating and I, I fucking love you for that so thank you so much and I will be back next week that's all I got I'm out of here I am Ben Tompkins that all of that is real talk